0: Hey mamas, you're listening to the Balanced Working Mama podcast, the only podcast teaching you how to balance your work, motherhood, and wellness. I am Dr. Amber Thornton, clinical psychologist and mama wellness consultant. Each week we dive into tips and strategies and much more so that you too can become a balanced working mama. Let's dive in. Hey mamas, it's Dr. Amber here with the Balanced Working Mama podcast. I hope you all are doing well. Um, Happy January. Again, I want to reiterate, we are in a new year. We are in a new season of the podcast and I'm excited to get started, you all. We are about a week into the community, which is really going very well. And today's guest on the podcast is actually a member of our community. So I'm so excited that she's, you know, just connected with me and Balanced Working Mama, being a member of our community, being on our podcast, supporting what we do. I'm so grateful for her. But I want to tell you a little bit about this episode before we get into it. This episode and also next week's episode is a two-parter, and it features the the one and only Supernova Mama, a.k.a. Natasha Nelson. She is so amazing, whether you all follow her on Twitter or on Instagram. She has really been so candid, vulnerable, and very transparent about her journey in motherhood while navigating neurodivergence with herself and her family, but then also her becoming certified as a positive parenting um, coach and so her areas of expertise are neurodivergence which includes individuals who are on the autism spectrum individuals who might have ADHD any sort of neural um, neural typical issues or or diagnoses. She's really, really good at that. She's really good at helping Black families specifically navigate these diagnoses and what it means for their lifestyles. But then she also helps Black families with learning what positive parenting means, what positive discipline means. And so she really has found such a great niche in terms of helping to support her community, mamas like us, um, but then also really bringing a lot of awareness to what it even means to understand neurodivergence and how that might manifest in one's family. So I hope that you all enjoy this week's episode and also next week you will hear her on both of those episodes. Otherwise I am doing well you all I'm I'm just super excited about the community. I'm so glad that so many mamas decided to join us and become founding members. And now we're gonna really dive in. We just wrapped up our very first event called Plan Your Well Year and the mamas really took time out to go through what exactly what they wanted their year to feel like and what it would look like. Um, coming this week, we have Coach Christina in our community to help support us in becoming consistent with fitness. We've got so many things coming up, y'all. I'm, I'm excited about the community. So if anyone has questions about the community or interest, reach out to me, let me know. At this time, the community is closed. However, we plan to open it up um, probably in a month or so. But either way, if you know you're interested, reach out to me, let me know, and we can talk about that. Okay. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode and talk soon. Hi, Tasha. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am great. I am just excited to talk to you. I've been waiting for this for a long time. <laughs> so long oh my goodness I'm so excited to talk with you and thank you for making the time because I know that well you know we both are very busy with our two children and all the things um but I just want to thank you for coming and chatting with us today um but first I know that Most people are probably familiar with you. Um, I know that you participated in our retreat, and I feel like I talked about how we met one time on social media, but you go ahead, introduce yourself, um, and tell us a little bit about the work that you do.
1: Absolutely. So hello, you handsome and gorgeous lot. I am Tosh. Uh, I am the mom behind Supernova Mama. I am a autistic Black veteran mom uh, of two autistic little girls. Um, I am married. Uh, my husband is a, has a ADHD. Um, we aren't sure about autism, and he's looking into the process of checking into that. So we are the Neurodiverse Nelsons. Um, (laughs) I am a certified positive discipline educator uh, for both in the classroom and for in the home with parents. Uh, I have had those certificate, I've had been certified since beginning of this year, but I've been practicing positive discipline in my home and with my nieces and nephews uh, for about three and a half years now. I chose positive discipline because I had a really rough childhood. Um, And I didn't have a really rough childhood because my mom hated me or didn't think I was great or anything. My mom loved me very much, but my mom didn't have any of the tools to know what to do besides spanking, yelling and hitting and and getting out her aggression because she hadn't dealt with her issues and trauma and emotion. Um, And so that continued on to me and my siblings. Um, and so when I decided that I wanted to have children, uh, I said, you know, I don't want to spank and yell, um, but I don't want those spoiled entitled kids either. Right. So, <laughs> and so in the beginning I was in the military, I'm a veteran, we, uh, me and my husband said, oh, well we can smoke them like how the military does. Right. So we'll have them do a squat sit in the corner. <laughs> um, but as we be- got higher in the ranks, and we realized how detrimental smoking soldiers was. Uh, that was something we stopped doing in our leadership. Uh, and so it's like, well, that can't be done to our kids either, right? So then I was like, okay, well, then I need an alternate tool. And I found positive discipline. Uh, positive discipline, the method and the mythology is dear to my heart because the foundation of it is uh, two psychologists and psychiatrists from uh, from the time of Nietzsche they were actually friends with Nietzsche. Uh, One is Alfred Adler. Uh, I love love the uh, the foundations uh, of his theories, and then uh, Rudolf Draker's. Um, And so our founder, Jane Nelson, took those two philosophies and pretty much pulled from those and develop positive discipline. Uh, and the foundation is that children need to feel a sense of belonging and significance. And so you need to have the kind, the respect and the love, but you also need to have the firm of boundaries and limits uh, in order to teach them characteristics and skills to make them an, out. Uh, I, um, I don't want to say outstanding, but yeah, because you don't have to be Bill Gates to be an outstanding citizen or person, right? Uh, you just have to be caring, empathetic, respectful, and and enthused. And so yeah, that's positive discipline. That's why I chose it. I practice it on my two children who are both autistic. And so my focus with positive discipline, unlike other people, is specifically for neurodiversity and or Black families. I say that because I'm all for all neurodiverse people. I'm all for all Black people, and I'm all for Black neurodiverse families. But that is my specific focus. So when you take my courses, you're going to we're going to be looking at generational trauma and the differences in 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 generations and why different generations parent different ways. We're also going to look into neurodiversity and how different people are and how you can support a neurodiverse child. Uh, those aren't necessarily in everyone's positive discipline courses. They are in mind so it don't matter who you are if you take my course you're gonna get that information and that's me
0: wow Tasha you're just so good I I just love all of this I really do and I'm I know I was just telling you before we hit record but I I'm truly so proud of you because I know that um you know many of us came to know you from Twitter um and you know you sharing like your videos and like how you parent your two girls and um just the experiences that you all have as a family. And I just think that, I i don't know, I, it's just such a gift in my eyes of you, like um, really truly wanting to get into this work. Because of your past experiences, but then also for your desire to parent your, your babies in a different way, and then wanting to share it with all of us too. So I'm, I'm truly so proud of you. And I was going to ask you what led you to focus and become passionate on this work specifically, but I feel like you said it. And what I heard you say was that, um, you know, it sounds like there was like a bit of your reflection on how you were parented and, you know, you realizing that your, your mom did the best she could, but maybe didn't have all the skills and the tools that you have now now, but then also looking forward and wanting something different for your girls, um, especially as a neurodiverse family. Um, so that's, it, it sounds like that is what led you to this work, but let me know if there's something different or more.
1: Absolutely. Well, so when I decided to have children, I also had decided to heal with my mom uh, wow. because prior to having children, mm-hmm. we had spent about three years not speaking at all.
0: Wow.
1: Um, And so We decided to go to therapy separately and then sit down and talk and and do some, you know, together. And um healing with my mom also helped in the positive discipline because I'm gonna be honest, when I originally went to positive discipline when I was researching it, it was because, you know, my childhood is off my mom was garbage and I didn't (laughs) know know goes. I don't want (laughs) to be like her. (laughs) Um but a part of my uh, growth and, and journey in this was realizing that my mom wasn't trash, but that she was doing the best that she was generationally. Um, this trauma has been brought specifically to black families uh, through colonialism and you know, the industrial revolution of, of treating children as the, a, a separate entity is almost inhuman and different. Um, and it continued on. Um, and, and so I, I realized that my mom didn't necessarily have those tools. And so it's, it's one of those things, you know, in positive, this my total families. We don't blame shame and guilt. We acknowledge, we accept responsibility, but we don't blame shame and guilt. And so I tried to look at it from that way. Was my childhood very hard, very tra- traumatic? Absolutely. Did my mom necessarily, did my mom do that maliciously? Absolutely not. You know, so... Oh, yep. uh, uh, yeah, That's what brought me to positive discipline. It was more so um, building with her mm-hmm. um, went from, you know, everything. My mom was awful. We need to find something better too. I need a balance and I need to something that gives grace because Yes. What I was working on was giving her grace and positive discipline was that
0: for Mm -hmm. me. Oh, I love that. And I think it just reflects too how in the work that you do is just so um, like cyclical and full circle. It's like I think a lot of times we as parents get into this, these, you know, exploring like how we want to parent because we're thinking about our children. And then in the midst of it, we realize like, oh, this has a lot to do with me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yep, either I'm doing exactly what I didn't want when I was a kid. Yeah. So I'm trying to do everything my mom did because I thought she was the son yeah. and the light. That's
0: usually exactly. how it is. Like, I, I personally am doing some work in therapy, like in my own therapy around, like, you know, just thinking of how I want to show up in parenting. And, you know, to be honest, a lot of it is because there are some things I'm still upset about just with yep. regard to how I was parented. So, like, this resonates with me a lot, Um, you know, just in terms of, like, Ooh, when you become a parent you got to do a lot of work <laughs> like your work. own personal work so I get that so when all those people who say you know oh, parenting is easy you No, know, kids is so easy girl, I'm like,
1: no, I don't know
0: being honest it's no. not easy and
1: it's okay for it to not be easy it's yep. not easy
0: not easy at all um but so there's so much I want to talk to you about in this episode and like I'm, I'm thinking of it in, in two different parts almost. I want to talk about neurodiversity and also I want to talk about like positive parenting and positive, dis, positive discipline. But first, I want to start with the term neurodiversity, because I think for many of us that might be a new term. Um, and I love that, you know, for your family specifically, you all are so diverse when it comes to Neurology and thinking about, you know, just how our brains work and how we process information. Um, But for those of us who maybe have not heard that term before, what does it mean when we say neurodiversity, or at least what does it mean for you when you use that term?
1: Absolutely. So, neurodiversity is the idea that neurological differences like autism, like ADHD, like ADD, like bipolar disorder, um, sensory processing disorder, nonverbal communication disorder, high functioning anxiety, um, on and on and on, are a result of normal natural variations in the human genome. What do I mean by that? My grandma probably was autistic. When we look at stories, when we hear things, we're like, yeah. Uh, somebody prior to my grandma was probably autistic and on and on and it was and it was just like with blue eyes just like with bad eyesight the gene was carried on and continued on into my family into me and then now into my daughters um a lot of times it's a new idea of looking at it because you know usually autism, ADHD, all these things are pathologized and, and, you know, and it's the idea that they need a cure and it's a curse and it's a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I hate to use exceptionalism, but, you know, we, we only know of the exceptional people. We never know of the ordinary people, but there's, there's plenty of people who believe from fine research that Van Gogh had autism and ADHD. Uh, Same with Albert Einstein Same with Nietzsche. Uh, These people who fixate on certain things, have sensory issues, uh, and are so, so smart at a specific thing because they fixate on it and work themselves to the bone and lose sleep, usually neurodiverse uh, is a big, big standpoint of neurodiversity. Um, And so these people uh, and people like me, people like Nietzsche, people like ordinary people with autism, People, exceptional people with autism and nonverbal people with autism have been prevalent in human society for as far back as we can measure. Uh, the issue was that it wasn't called autism, right? We didn't have the science, the technology that we have now. And so it wasn't diagnosed, it wasn't understood, it wasn't researched, it wasn't studied. And so usually those people died uh, because society didn't, wasn't acceptable to them, it didn't adjust to them, and it didn't support them in the ways that they needed. Um, and so the idea is that you aren't accursed because you're autistic, or you have ADHD or ADD, you don't need a cure, you just need to be supported, because our brains are different.
0: Wow, thank you for that. Um, and it's funny, like I was I was explaining this term to my husband, like last night, because I was explaining to him that I was going to talk to you on the podcast today. And I was like, we're going to talk about neurodiversity. And he was like, what's that? And so I was trying to explain to him, you know, that, you know, it's, it's kind of like thinking of how our brains work and it being on a spectrum almost. And even when I was like, explaining it to him, it was making me realize something that you had just said is it felt a lot less pathologizing um, because it's like we're we're just thinking about there being diversity in the ways that our brains work. Exactly, and
1: different.
0: you know, it's just, that's that's it.
1: Little, and and when I tell people all the time, it's so funny because it's it's neurodivergent and neurotypical are the distinctions, right? You're neurodivergent, that means that you think differently. Your brain is wired a little differently than the typical person. But when you start looking at all of the different um, neurodiversities, uh, you know, a- anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. gifted, all of these things fall under neurodiversity, um, mm-hmm. and you start looking at what is standardized as neurotypical, you start thinking, is it so typical? It seems like
0: mm-hmm. there's a little bit more
1: neurodiversity than there is of neurotypical. Absolutely. Because we're all different. And that's and we've all started mixing and, and you know, having family and interracial and intercultural families. And so
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, we're, we're as typical as we like to think we are in the first place.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think even something that you are kind of like whitening the perspective for me I think when I first started to hear neuro- neurodiversity I always associated it with autism or the autism spectrum but now you're helping me realize like it, it goes even beyond that like I- I've never heard anyone explain neurodiversity and like mood disorders like anxiety or depression but that makes sense to me too like of course um it's the differences in the ways that our brains might work or function um so thank you for that <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for, like, broadening my perspective on this. And I, I just think this is going to be such a great episode for the Mamas Listening. Um, and I especially want to know, you know, my next question for you is um, just tell us a little bit about your own experiences, you know, with neurodiversity um, and how it shaped your motherhood, but also how you relate to your children. Because I know that you have already shared with us um how neurodiversity has been a part of your family, but I guess say a little bit more about how that shows up for you in motherhood.
1: Absolutely. So first off, I think it's important to note that I did not know I was autistic until my children were diagnosed as autistic. Uh, Yeah, so Paris uh, was diagnosed uh, for, excuse me, um, so there's a program. Uh, if you do research, and we, we don't want to get to it <laughs> because we'll be in it, we'll be in this podcast forever. But there is a program in all fifty states called an early intervention program for children mm-hmm. three years and younger um, who have been suspected by their mo- mother, their pediatrician, and been referred to the program um, uh, for autism uh, in uh, in toddlers or babies. Because you can get a you can get a referral as early as nine months. And Paris was referred there at 18 months. Um, And so as Paris was getting, you know, diagnosed, we're doing all of these therapies and things, the things that they were pointing out that were specific to her autism, I was like, oh, well. I've done that. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> yes. um, but with Paris, it was, it wasn't as big. It was like a few things. And so I was like, well, she is my daughter, you know. So maybe she just has some of my traits, but she also has autism, you know. Yes. Um, and then, you know, I had Paris and Riley very, very 15 months apart. And so Riley came and Riley, the best way to explain Riley is that if Riley, if I wasn't Riley's mother, um, and Paris hadn't already been diagnosed, she would not. No, she would have probably her autism would not have been figured out um because her autism doesn't manifest in the standard young white male way mm-hmm. that has been known in research Paris's does Paris is nonverbal. Paris doesn't like people Paris loves sensory uh mm-hmm. but not too much sensory and likes her headphones and weighted vest and all of those things Riley completely different Riley's very social. She loves to talk. She, um, but she uh, didn't walk until she was 18 months. And she, wait, might have been actually, I think it was uh 20 months, 20 months. Um, She doesn't like to touch anything new, new experiences freak her out. That's why she didn't walk. It wasn't because she didn't want to walk or she couldn't walk. It was because mm-hmm. The surface of the floor changes and that terrified her uh, any new sensory new experience terrifies her um, she had extreme nutrition issues uh, because she didn't she didn't want to eat any new textures and and any new visual sensory issues either so she refused to eat green she it was it was a lot mm-hmm. and so um, but she talks and she 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 loves to talk and she hugs and she loves to be the center of attention. Um, and so when she when Riley was diagnosed and the subtle things with Riley was were the things that I've done all my life and so and and that was where it was like oh yeah I'm definitely gonna need to get myself checked out and so when I got myself checked out um and of course came up that I was autistic. Um, and then my husband, when it came out that he was ADHD and I was like, I really think you're autistic two player, but okay. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> um Uh, And we just started pulling up stories and we just started talking. um, And then, you know, we had to sit down a part of parent training. If you do parent training for autistic caregiver um, is talking to the people in your family about what autism is and how you need for them to support you and and on and on. And we were sitting down explaining that I had autism to, uh, you know, my family, my part of the family. And then they were like, okay so I don't know Tasha and so we started talking about stuff that I used to do as a kid Mm -hmm. um and you know I'll share I'll share a few they're really weird so I don't want to freak people out but like I used to (laughs) my mom would like start making spaghetti or hamburgers and she would have the raw ground beef out right getting ready to season everything and I used to sneak globs of the round I love the texture and taste of ground beef Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. freak my mom out she was like what is wrong god and so but when when we talked about it she was like yeah that was just one of those weird things you used to do and I looked at her like you're explaining away what I'm telling you so then we (laughs) we went on to how I fixated on books to the point where I would fall in ditches I almost got hit by cars I would walk and read Mm -hmm. uh the only time I got in trouble in school is because I would hide books and fix uh fiction books in the textbooks (laughs) during class I was I was Books were my thing and I was fixated and I was not caring. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom was like, Yeah, but that's just because you're nerdy, like so you're <laughs> no things away. Okay. Um, I didn't stop sucking my fingers until I was in middle school, but only because for the first time, some little boy said something sexual and, and uncomfortable to me, and it it, you know, okay. and then the hands went out. Yeah. But besides that, but I stopped sucking him in middle school, high school. It was, it was around that time frame. But mm-hmm. I never actually stopped sucking him. If an emergency happens in my house right now, those fingers will fly right back into my mouth. As a mm-hmm. I play with my hair. I, I play with my hair so hard when I'm stressed. That I, I, My hair was falling out my senior year of high school. Um, and so it was just little things. Like, and we were talking about it. And my mom was like, well, if that's the case, then I'm autistic. And I looked at her like, yeah, I think so. But I don't... <laughs> <laughs> what <Well>, you know <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> but yeah, and so people hear autism and they see you know these things that they've seen on TV and they see you know the super smart whiz kid or the nonverbal can't do anything for themselves, kid. That's it, right And usually both those kids are a white male. They don't see the Black woman with the big hair who watches the room and decides what the room needs from her and then becomes that person. Mm-hmm. So I have always, it doesn't matter what room I'm in, mm-hmm. I have always looked into the room and seen what they needed from me and then become that person. So if mm-hmm. I needed to step up, I stepped up because the room needed that. But if I didn't need to step up and I need to be quiet and, and subtle, I did that. I did whatever I thought the room needed for me that would cause me the least What's the word I'm looking for? Because not not necessarily ridicule, uh, because my we were me and my husband were talking about this. And, you know, um, I didn't necessarily feel like I always had to be in the shadows. I feel like people in the shadows can still have a moment where they can be called out and embarrassed. Mm -hmm. But if I'm the best, if I'm doing what everybody wants and I'm pleasing everyone in the room, Mm -hmm. then they're way less apt to call me out and, and and make me uncomfortable because they like me. Yep. Um, and so the idea was to make sure my masking was to make sure everybody in the room liked me. However I needed to do that was how I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And so I see it. I see it in my Riley all the time. Riley is a natural masker, And I, and I must have been too when I was a kid because I've been masking my whole life. But yeah. she's able to watch people and then copy exactly what they do and say me and my husband see it. we're like, oh, my gosh, like inflections and everything. It's scary. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want her to feel like she has to do it because I always felt like I had to do it Um, and so we're working on fixing that but that goes into your next question which was how does this apply to my motherhood um a lot of times empathy um (laughs) it's my husband especially and this is the only thing that makes me think maybe he's not autistic and he does just have adhd um he gets so weirded out by are particular things. There's certain things that we like to do or we like to feel or we that is just us. And so he'll be like, don't do that. And I'll be like, why? Why doesn't she need to do that? Is it causing any harm? That it's just nasty. It's nasty to you. It's not nasty to her. And so if it's not a security issue and it doesn't cause any harm, why can't she do it? Um even out and about same thing. So it's (laughs) it's being able to empathize with them. Yeah. and realize that um and being able being open and okay to being different yeah. uh because I've always been different I'm a lot more open and okay with that and uh, honestly it depends on the place but a lot more comfortable in in looking at other people and asking them why they aren't comfortable with it either
0: Ooh, that's deep Ooh. I felt that I don't know there was something there what you just said like really like that was it like you just you know saying you're more comfortable but also really kind of like putting it back into other people's face like and why are you not comfortable you know what I'm saying. Um, wow, that was really, really amazing and fascinating to hear and you know, one thing that I'll say again I've just learned so much from you and your experiences and what you do share with us on social media and whatnot. But. Um, I remember there was something that you were saying about um, Black girls severely being misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed with regard to being on the autism spectrum. Um, And you were one of the first people to like really just shed light on that. And even me as a psychologist, it was like, oh, wow, she's right. Because when we think about autism, um, we do think about like young white boys, Um, it's rare that we think about girls, but especially not black girls. And so, you know, I just think it's, it's, It's such a good thing that you and your girls are so informed um, and you, they have you, you know, to be honest, they, they have you because you understand them and you're so committed to, you know, continuing to understand them. And I think the unfortunate part is that there's so many families who don't have those skills, um, don't have that in a lot of young black girls and some of our black boys too won't have what they need, the environments they need, the tools that they need, but I'm glad we have people like you. (laughs) <laughs> to help us with this. Um, and I, I do want to ask, um, well, I guess, what advice do you have for parents who might be navigating similar challenges related to the autism spectrum or other forms of neurodiversity? Um, you know, whether it's them just realizing that there's maybe something different um, or maybe them just getting a new diagnosis for their child or even for themselves. Like, what, what advice do you have for them?
1: So my first piece of advice is not to stuff your feelings um I know that the internet is going to tell you that you shouldn't feel bad at all that your child has any type of neurodiversity I don't necessarily agree with that you've been socialized your whole life to have this idea of your kid who's a mini you and does you know blah 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 blah, and now that socialization idea that dream is it may be in the tank um, and it's okay to grieve that a little bit uh, but what I want, don't want you to do is to get stuck in your grief and not move to start planning and supporting your child. Um, and so it's okay to to have that moment and acknowledge your feelings and work through your feelings. But then it's also important to plan and support and step up for your child. Because doing the support you need, to you give them to need to make them have just this, even the same life. It just may be a bit more work or you know the life that they want because at the end of the day what I tell parents all the time is you know you could have had this dream of your child being a mini you mini dancer and they could have you know not been neurodiverse and been neurotypical and still been like no nah, I want to be a ball player I don't want to dance I ain't dancing because <laughs> that happens all the time okay <laughs> and so and so just be be open to the fact that your child is a human who has their own ideas, their own thoughts and, and their own quirks um, and support them. And, and, and you can have whatever best life that you can have for them. Uh, and I really feel that way. I have a nonverbal child right now and a verbal child. And we support both. And they both have the best experiences that they can have possible. And we we still think they can both do anything that they want to do. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. Um, and thank you for just normalizing that part because I, I do think we often get this like very overly positive um stuff on the internet that's like, you know, no, your child's great regardless. You know, but there is a grieving process, I think, for any parent who um, maybe is faced with the reality that they weren't anticipating, whether it's regard to neurodiversity or um, like physical differences, like whatever it is with your child. um, It's okay to feel some grief about things not going the way you planned. And then, like you said, don't get stuck in that, though. You have to move forward because your child needs you. They need your
1: support. And so So you got to have a plan. I'm telling you, it's not an easy job. And and that's why I say the grief is okay. A lot of times people are like, oh, you know, you should just be happy. You're going to have a little bit more work. You're going to have a little bit more of a job uh, of being a parent and being a parent is already tough. Even the rich person with the nanny is still struggling a little bit with parenthood. So the Neurotypical mom or the neurodivergent mom with the uh, child with autism is going to have a little bit more work in being a parent. And to not acknowledge that, I think is is being purpose uh, purposely obtuse. And I think sometimes that's what happens is we get into these social justice movements and you know, autism acceptance. Absolutely, you should accept it. Absolutely, it's a beautiful thing. Uh being different the way we are. I love some of our differences, but it is a little
0: bit more work. Yep. Absolutely hey mama thank you for listening to the balanced working mama podcast if you love this podcast please be sure to rate it and share it with another mama that you know and don't forget to follow me and Balance working mama on instagram i'll talk to you soon